0: Stop
1: and stop. <laughs> Small doses self help from the hip. Small doses, we're talking that shit. Small doses and keeping it real. Small doses with me and then seals. It's so funky. <laughs> so we are here with the booze slanger. <laughs> with Ms. Ingrid Best, who she's literally said, "I slang booze." I mean. You know, marketing is a very specific skill that a lot of people do not, like, know is a very specific skill. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter if it's related to alcohol or the arts or fashion, etc. like, even though we see these, like, marketing jobs, I think a lot of people don't understand that there's, like, a whole mindset around it until a lot of us watched... Madmen. um i think <laughs> there was just kind of like i know that there was a long time where i was very very frustrated when i would see like peers of mine who i knew like they weren't that dope but they would just always be on the tip of people's tongue and i'd be like how the fuck did they make tie and make shoe look like a star studded event yeah. and it's because like it wasn't necessarily that their talent was in the actual art that they were quote unquote slang in, but their talent was in marketing. Like they mm-hmm. knew how to make people give a damn. And so Ingrid Best knows how to make people give a damn about leather and now about
0: wine. Yes. And about wine. And I'm so excited. And it's really the art of storytelling because what a lot of people don't know about me, Amanda, is I'm not like traditionally trained at a university with a marketing degree. I'm a self-taught marketer. So tell me the route.
1: How did it go? Because, you know, a lot of times when people think of like the paths that they can go in and they think creative, they only think of that in terms of like in front of the camera or art, but creativity exists in other spaces. And like you just said, I mean, if it's, if marketing is about storytelling, that's creativity.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. The path was, I'll, I'll keep it short, but. we don't got to. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. A teenage mom had my son very, very young. And when you are responsible for another human being, you either figure it out or you don't. Right. And so for me, it was like, I have to figure this thing out. I have to figure out how to make sure that we are okay. I have to figure out how to make money. And I have to do it in a way that I'm happy doing it. Like I knew that fairly young, right? Um, that I wanted to do what I love. I didn't know what that was at the time, but I knew I had to figure it out. And so I first started in the music industry. I was a street promoter um, and a lot of people don't- On the street know- team? Yeah, girl on the street team. Packing I- out flyers. Passing out flyers, Outside putting the up, club. up poster boards, passing out CDs, working on the promo runs with artists. You know, there's a lot of people don't, that don't even know anything about that world. They don't know anything about record stores and artists doing promo runs and, you know, the, the people that were behind that. And I was one of the people that was behind that beautiful era of Street Team where there were just tons of really creative black and brown people figuring it out for record labels and we weren't getting paid a lot. Some of us weren't getting paid at all. We were their experiential departments. We were the contact departments. You know, we were the people that were making it happen on the street and helping to drive record sales and break new artists and all that good stuff. So I interned for Sway at his promotions company and learned a lot from him and then went on to really honestly just become a badass like I understood the storytelling part of like street promotions and artists and started my own company with one of my best friends we went on to work for all the major record labels at the time there were lots of labels
1: how did you start your own company though like what does that look like is that like we took out a loan is that like we just got business cards printed up like what does that actually mean
0: it looks like there was some adversity that we were facing in terms of like, do we stay working for someone or do we do our own thing? Like, we're not really growing, and it wasn't necessarily sway. It was just more so interning for folks in general, but we were doing all the work. Yeah, and it was like, all right, at some point you have to have enough belief in yourself um, to figure it out. And so that looked like telling people I have a company. I mean, it was just that. I was like, keep a real promotions. <laughs> Hire us. You know, we know what we're doing. I mean, it wasn't more than that. I remember buying a fax machine. I remember my homeboy, Russell, setting up my AOL account. my oh, email yes. account. And that's how we started the business. And from there, of course, we got an office and we started a record pool. And, you know, obviously the DJs and folks in the music industry were like they're the hottest thing on the streets in terms of street promotions in the Bay Area. Um went to a lot of music conventions and it was really just friends putting each other on because at the time that's what it was. It was just people who were friends that wanted to look out for one another. But yeah, it was a fax machine, an email, and this mouthpiece saying <laughs> I got I, I a promotions company hire me. So. <laughs> right. You gonna say I don't? <laughs> like <Right>. I mean <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so music, r- like doing the goddamn thing and the music side of things in the Bay, when does it shift from the music business space to, does it go directly to the liquor space? Because the other part of this is like sponsorships and working with brands and like all of that is a world that I, to this day, struggle to really understand. Like we're going to have to offline about it because I really need. Let's do it. Like, I need it. I mean, I'm I'm very good at being like, I don't
0: know when it comes to certain things. And Amanda, remember, that's how you and I were introduced to each other. Kenny Burns calls me and says, my sister Amanda is doing, I think it was HBO. Yes, uh, I was uh, in my special. Your special. And she's going to do an event and she needs brand support. And of course I thought of you. And I was like, yeah, link us. And he puts us on text and it goes from there. And that's how you and I met. Do you remember that? I didn't know that was you. It was me.
1: (laughs) Because I met you when we were at dinner. dinner. But I didn't know that
0: was you that was on the text. Yes. It's all coming together. It was for this right here. That special right there. (laughs) Yes. And I was excited. I was like, of course we'll support her. I love her. I'm a big fan of hers. And we'll talk about the whole partnership sponsorship my role what I've done but a lot of it is who you know right and what you know and does the person on the other side of the sponsorship bag know you (laughs) are they a fan of yours right or do they know anything about culture do they know anything about what's new and what's hot maybe what isn't as big now but will be big And so Mm. that's also been something that I've been really good at. I was about to say, like, that must be
1: such a key element to why you're such an asset. Absolutely. So what made your
0: transition out of music into another field with the marketing? So, like many industries, you know, the music industry started to shift, become more digital. I always tell people, if I knew then what I know now about the landscape of the Spotify's and the Apple Music and the titles, I'd likely have stayed in music and made. Mm. I just didn't know, right? And so. I wasn't making the money that I once made. A lot of the labels were selling, consolidating. A lot of the black people that once controlled, you know, black music divisions and black music no longer had those jobs they had gone to people, whether it was nepotism or whatever, that we weren't controlling. Right, right, right. We weren't controlling our thing anymore, right? When well, we're not controlling our thing. We're typically not looking out for one another. Okay. And so um, I needed to figure out how to make some money. And there was a friend of mine at the time that was ma- working at Anheuser-Busch, and, which is a big beer company. And he said, man, you need to look in the spirits business. You will be great. You would, you would really be great at it. And I was like, the spirits business. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. I was like reading cards. Like what are you <laughs> <doing>? <laughs> the spirits business. Like I I'm doing spirits. tarot, <laughs> tarot cards. And so, he, you know, he explained to me a bit, and I said, "Oh wow!" And I literally went on Craigslist. There was an ad because back there, you know, Craigslist jobs. Oh yeah, that was a the thing. There was an ad to launch a liquor brand and i answered the the post and just said listen i'm a marketer i'm creative i know a lot of people i would be perfect for this and the woman called me back we met and she literally was like you're amazing and like this could be different we this could be a different approach to this launch cuz you know i'm talking about dj's and i was music- going to say what were you talking about that she felt was different how amazing black people are mm. And how and, you know, and, and our culture and the fact that, like, you know, don't pigeonhole who you want the consumer to be for this rum and we could look at this launch differently. And and she was intrigued. She was like, wow, like, that's really like. Yeah, let's, let's do it. And um, I wound up launching the brand. And at the time, that brand was owned by Diageo, which is one of the, the biggest suppliers in the world. I didn't know that. I was just learning about the spirits business. But this role exposed me to innovation, sales, the distributor, the heads of marketing, the head of creative. Typically, ambassadors don't get exposed at that level. Some of it, I think, was just kind of my professional maturity in terms of just wanting to really lear- learn and yeah. be a student i think they could tell but the other was just this launch happened to be something that was special for them and they wanted you know they had a, a good amount of investment to do the launch the right way and amanda i just i jumped in i was like i'm a, i'm about to learn everything i can about this thing and so going back to my point of being a self-taught marketer that's what you do you're constantly learning because you're trying to teach yourself, right? How to do this thing, and that's how I got into the liquor business. I launched a brand as an ambassador. I did an amazing job. So, as an ambassador, do
1: they pay you a salary, or is it just like a one-off? Girl, they didn't really pay you much. I was gonna say because I was. I'm trying to remember <laughs> ambassador for. And I want because I want people to know these terms. You know what I'm saying? Because let me tell you, so. I had a boyfriend who told me he was an ambassador or something. I didn't know the term. And so I didn't realize that like that meant he that didn't mean shit for him. Like it, it, like, it meant shit for you because you were seeing beyond that. Correct. Right. And for him, that was enough. <laughs> that was enough for him. So mm-hmm. he just liked having this title. And I thought he was getting a check. And then I found out he was not. And then I found out that he wasn't an ambassador anymore. And he just kept going to the building. But that's another story for another time. Um, I love when I hear stories of, of like, I got in this way and then I turned it into this, which is what I feel like black women end up doing all the time. Like we have to create the situation.
0: Right, right. Yes. So ambassador, there's a lot of definitions to ambassadors now, especially when it comes to the world of uh, marketing. And you're right. There are some ambassador roles where people just kind of want to be down and they're willing to tell the story of a brand and they don't realize that there's a lot of value in that. There's that there's people who are actually being paid not being paid what they're worth never really necessarily being taught the business that they're helping to promote and grow and aren't necessarily seeking that for themselves Mm, there's that there are ambassadors like me you know 15 20 years ago who was like oh you let me in i'm gonna learn all this I'm going to take all of this. And so there is a lot of ways to define ambassadors, ambassador roles, typically very underpaid, overutilized and underpaid. And ambassadors just don't know that, right? And there's usually not a lot of routes for those ambassadors to then be promoted in these organizations. And so for me specifically, uh, Amanda, it was a project to launch this brand, I happened to be noticed in the organization and true story. uh, One of the women at the organization wound up getting a job at vitamin water. This was before Coke owned it and said, I loved what you did on this launch. I'm now running this division of vitamin water. I need someone like you and offered me a job. And so I did a stint working in water. So I understand the water business as well, and learned as much as I could um, at the time. Uh, with Vitamin Water, what the parent company was Glasso. And remember, they were all about creative and fun. They yeah. had entertainment department and sports department. They were really going after um, like Gatorade and some of the other bigger mm-hmm. houses. And I learned a shit ton in that job. And. You know, once again, filled my toolkit with quite a bit of just, I would say, marketing knowledge that you're really never going to get unless you're in it. Like, you've got to be in it. No, knock to folks that go on and and go to universities and get their marketing degrees. All that stuff is important, too. But uh, the real experience is being in it. So I just got fortunate to be in real situations that required me to either learn you know, or, or keep, like, you either learn this or you got to keep it moving and get out the way. And I just was willing to always learn and kind of pour into myself. And so I did that for a stint. And then I got a call from Diageo and they said, we always wanted you to work for us. We didn't have a job for you at the time. Vitamin water had um, just been purchased by Coca-Cola. And I said, why not? I always really wanted to do more in spirits. Okay. Really, I was just in it for that project where I launched the brand and I went to water. And that's really where my career started in Spirits. I started in a hybrid role, a sales and marketing role. And again, I learned and learned and learned as much as I possibly could. And what I learned first and foremost was that the industry wasn't for people that look like me. In what
1: way? I mean, I know, but. Cause like we know that, but then sometimes it'll show up in like real literal ways, and you're like, oh, I felt this, but no, no. In every literal way that you could possibly imagine. Like when we heard, like, there wasn't wasn't it um, wasn't it Cristal that had like come out and said we don't want black people drinking our, we don't want rappers drinking our liquor or something like that. Here's what I will say.
0: For many years, we have been ambassadors. Back to that ambassador thing. We have ambassadored so many brands. And when stories, the Remy's in the system, ain't no time. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And the reality of the situation is all of those brands that we've ambassadors, the founders don't look like us. The companies aren't bustling with people that look like us. And so I learned that quick, that like, oh, you're the only Black girl and Black person around. You know, it was literally one receptionist and one guy in the mailroom that looked like me. And I, I think it was in that moment where I realized I was like, this is a, I have a bigger purpose in this industry. Yes, I love it, but I could also change some things here. And I went through a lot. I went through a lot. I went through a lot at every organization that I worked for because the lack of, um i think just respect for black and brown people as the consumer black and brown people as creatives black and brown people as innate ambassadors just didn't exist we're starting to uncover and hold these companies accountable but amanda when i got in the game i mean it was it was bad it was bad
1: I mean, people ask me all the time for advice on being an outspoken black woman in a corporate space. And I have not had to be in a corporate space in a while. So I feel like I'm always providing kind of a certain level of just like outsider input. But as an outspoken black woman in a corporate space, what do you feel are some ways that you manage that to stay in it? Because I feel like it can just run you ragged and you're like, you know what? I don't even want to have to deal with this anymore. So what are some, like, methods or, like, practices or techniques that got you? Were you going to work and meditating in the car before you (laughs) (laughs) Meditating in the car,
0: crying on the way there, pulling myself together, remembering that I had a kid to feed. I mean, those are some of the things just personally Mm -hmm. that I had to make sure that I always reminded myself of. But I never stopped being outspoken. It was one of those things that I was like, if you stop then you're going to leave this job and you're just still never going to feel good about yourself. And you're going to let them force you out of an industry and a business that you love, that you actually have long-term goals of doing something really big and great in. And so I would say my advice would be, don't stop being outspoken. There's a way to do it. Protect yourself. There's ways to protect yourself. Give us a way. Um, document things mm. document what you're go- document what you're going through don't be afraid to lean into the system that's going to support you in terms of if something goes awry listen here's what I'm going through and that doesn't always work in everyone's favor but it serves no one to sit in a corner going through something it just doesn't and so I would say you know don't dim your voice you know, make sure that you're vocal, make sure that you're speaking up for yourself. Be be okay with walking away from things that don't work for you. You know, you, some, some awesome. things just don't work for you. Some th- sometimes you got to be able to say, this doesn't work for me. And that's one that I think is really difficult for most people is to acknowledge when something just isn't, it doesn't work for you. And again, I get it. We all have responsibilities and bills, things like that. But, you know, this thing called mental health and mental wellness is a real thing. And just being happy and having some level of peace and, and integrity is important. So I would also say don't be afraid to walk away from something that just doesn't work for you.
1: Well, because I think a lot of us, we just are so afraid that if we walk away, nothing
0: else better will come along. Yeah, you know, I I listened to uh, the episode with Christina uh, Martinez, and she talked a bit about that where, you know, it's scary, right? We don't really celebrate the people who walk away. Shit, I walked away from the real, and people were like, she was fired! I was like, no, I
1: walked away. <laughs> like I walked away. And like I guess people just don't consider it as a real thing
0: that they just really couldn't believe that someone actually did that. Yeah. They don't consider it a real thing de- and they, they just don't celebrate it. They don't see it as it didn't work for me. Mm. We don't have to get salacious. We don't have to get into the details. It just didn't work for me. Some things don't work for us. Right. So that would be a big advice is to believe in yourself at every turn, Um, And in every stage of your career, and some things just don't work for you. And I'll tell you, I was fortunate. I was able to navigate, have incredible roles, garner great experience, work at the best of the best companies. But even in my last role that I walked from, because I knew it was time for me, I simply knew it was time for me to bet on myself. I knew it was time for me to do my thing. Like the time was now that I needed to be okay with getting a little uncomfortable and launching launching my own brand. And so there's a lot of reasons why you walk away too, right?
1: Right. It's not always negative. Sometimes it's just, I've run my course. I've
0: run my course. I understood the assignment. I came, I did my thing. I was good at this. And now I'm about to go be great at me. Sometimes it's just that <laughs> because the last role, if I'm correct, you were with Ciroc. Mm-hmm. I, I saw the marketing for Ciroc and De Leon for Combs um, Enterprise. And, um, you know, fun fact again, because I started at Diageo, it was kind of a 360 moment for me because Diageo is the parent company of Sirac, So I ended my kind of working for someone tenure on brands that I started my working for someone tenure and so for me that feels it feels so good you know what I mean <laughs> it is so good um but yeah built an incredible marketing team of black marketers black women marketers helped to turn around the brands both double digit uh definitely got the attention of not just the spirits industry but from some of our innovative gifting of a lot of industries who have reached out and said you changed the game of gifting we're doing it this way now kind wait, of wait what is gifting for people who don't know so we I'll tell you I started the role in the pandemic and so you know spirits is all about nightclubs bars restaurants hotels right (laughs) Uh, liquor stores and when the pandemic hit the only place to get alcohol was liquor store they deemed alcohol stores essential go figure and so you could still (laughs) American girl so you could still go pick up your libations. And so we had to, as marketers and, you know, as the leader of the team, figure out, you know, what were we going to do to still create an experiential experience that people could feel Good about and that people could connect to. And so the very first one was this incredible bar. Just imagine you're in a VIP and the bar is amazing and there's smoke and there's music and it gets delivered to you with white gloves and oh wow. And we delivered it to D-Nice and it was a whole thing. And it went, you know, viral on social where people were like, do you see this? And we created this kind of experience out of gifting. And from there, I think, let's see how many gifts, over 15 different types of gifts that we would do with different. Because I didn't get none of this. (laughs) As I'm talking, I was like, she's going to (laughs) say, you didn't send me shit. And literally, I was like, <laughs> 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 it's fine. I don't drink. So I actually fine. think we did send you something. Now, whether you opened it and posted it is another thing because we didn't pay you. So I would understand if you didn't. Back to that ambassador thing. Uh, y'all <laughs> should, you know, um, no,
1: you know what? I did work with Sorok, though, around voting because, yeah, you, all, right, because you all were doing a campaign, you know, campaigns around voting, which was. You know, at a certain point it became all hands on deck to really just right. get folks to understand the importance of voting. And so I, I worked with you guys on that. But I don't drink, so it's fine. I literally, as I was talking about the gifting,
0: I was just like, she's gonna say she did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been myself, and you just told us to always be outspoken and to be ourselves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right, right. So anyway, yes, that's what I was doing. I decided to bet on myself a couple months ago. I felt it in my heart. It was time. I've been dreaming about being a brand owner and a founder. Why? Because in the 20 years that I've been in this business, you don't see founders that look like us. You don't see brand owners that look like us. And finally, we're starting to see people like Fawn Weaver, the owner of Uncle Nearest, who I was just with this Weekend. Tremendous, tremendous story and force in the business. People like Doné, who owns Lafette Rosé. People like myself, who is working on my own namesake wine, iBest Best Wines. You're finally starting to see people like us who are really the new faces, I believe, and kind of the changing of the guard of an industry that traditionally has been white,
1: What do you think is the detriment to, cause like, you know, for what it's worth, I don't think they see that it's a detriment, that it's only been white. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think they're like, I mean, it's been like this for all, for we're fine with that. But then the conversation a lot of times is like, you need to have black people because we exist. And that's like, that's not enough, like for convincing people who have had success in just looking at themselves for this whole time. It's not enough to convince them to say you know you need to expand. So what do you feel like is the language and kind of the the north star that you gave them to really start to see change?
0: Couple things, you know, during the George Floyd whole moment you had all these companies, and not just spirits companies, in my opinion. And I said this, and I'll, I'll continue to send it, say it. It was a lot of propaganda. Oh yeah, a lot of people saying we're gonna to, we're gonna give the moon and the stars to black people to help them. You know, all these billions and billions of dollars that really have nothing's happened. Now, if you were to do real audits of these companies, nothing has happened. And so part of my mission with I launching iBest Wines is to hold these companies accountable. Here is a wonderful brand, a brilliant marketer that you can give those dollars to because I know what I'm doing. Right and you know and I I will be successful. I have a true proven track record of success, and I'm kind of sitting back. I'll be honest with you, Amanda, to see who, with all their you know amazing commitments that they've made, are, are is going to be the first person to say you know we want to do this. We what, have. When you say this, me. what do you mean? Invest in I-vest? and invest fund and invest in the launch of a Black-owned, women-owned wine brand, which there's not enough of, right? And which could help a lot of these companies kind of be the case study for how you do it. Prior to a couple years ago, the case study was all in us being ambassadors. Yes. It's like the same thing, though. It's still...
1: The ambassador role still feels like the constant borrowing of Blackness, you know, for capitalist purposes. It's very much like I'm going to commodify your culture for our capital gains, but it's not going to come back into your culture, you know? I mean, it comes back in the sense that we have seen liquor devastate our communities (laughs) in, in a number of ways, but those same companies are not doing anything to help build and rebuild. You know, but they continue to seek us out because like, to your point, we
0: fly because we fly and and we're the sauce and we're the energy and we're the movement and people pay attention to us and people listen to us. And I'll tell you exactly what you're saying is why uh, the Siroc Stands initiative, for instance, was birthed. Because I remember saying to our partner at the time, it's not enough for us to just be the brand for celebration. It's not Mm. enough. There's more that we should be doing. And here's a layup. Here's an easy way to use our, to cast our net, to use our resources, to go to people like yourself who are passionate about this vote, something as simple as vote. And we should be doing this. And, you know, I think for me, The work is not just about being a founder and launching a brand. It's about making sure that, again, we're holding these companies and an industry. This happens to be the industry I'm I'm in. Everyone has their industry. Mm -hmm. But in this industry, simply holding uh, folks accountable to doing more. And to your point, alcohol is a slippery slope when you talk about our community. And so for someone like myself, who admittedly what I do is sell alcohol. That's what I've done for 20 years. And so it's hugely important for me to balance that with how I'm also impacting change in this industry, how I've helped bring people along, how I'm promoting a, a level of social responsibility across a lot of issues. It's that advocacy, right? And Christina talked about that when she talked to you, like, how do we figure out how to always keep advocacy in the things that we're doing? Yes, I paint beautiful pictures. And yes, I may sell alcohol, but I'm also committed to advocacy. And I don't just talk about it like I actually am living it, you know? Like I'm actually doing it. Well, that speaks to even what Ibest Wines is all about.
1: I mean, I feel like for the most part, I'm not going to speak for anybody. I don't really know much about wine. I've seen the movie Uncorked, <laughs> and we and we had Prentice Penny on the show. Um, my partner, he loves wine, you know, we go out and he's like, you know, do you have a cab and I'm like, I'll have a Shirley temple. Um, so, but, uh, when I was reading up on your wine, you know, there's a connection to South Africa. So I would love if you could just give us more insight on on that, because I think for those of us who even know a little bit about wine, we think of like Italy and wine country in California. Like that's like Napa Valley. That's it.
0: So I will tell you, for me, I grew up in the Bay Area. Spending time in Napa was a regular thing. And got introduced to drinking wine by a dear friend, James Moss, who has an incredible wine. He's a black winemaker in Napa. He makes beautiful, big red cabs that your partner would probably love. Okay. A lot of people don't know about him because he's a small shop, right? He introduced me to drinking wine. And I remember going on this discovery and being like, wow, there's a lot to this. <laughs> like, yeah you know and through my travels amanda through my work i i remember saying i want to launch my own brand i want to do something cool in this in this industry i'm going to launch a wine right like because i lo- i started to love wine and i was traveling all the wor- around the world and drinking wine and learning about wine making so it just came to you just like that like cuz that's a hell of an epiphany Yeah. It was a hell of an epiphany. It was really what, what is my end game? Like I've been in this industry for so long and I don't necessarily think my end game is like forever being an employee. Like I don't think that that's what it is. So, okay. I've told all these tremendous stories and built all these incredible marketing plans for other brands. I can't do that for myself. Like, I right. can't figure out how to do that for me. And, oh, I happen to love wine. So, yeah, it was really kind of all those things mixed together. And so, originally, it was it was the path of least resistance. It's going to be easy. I'll launch a wine from Napa. That's where I'm from. And I traveled to South Africa for work because I launched a brand in South Africa. I went to the wine region there, which I had never heard of. I was going to say, I didn't know that existed. Amanda. I felt like OG in the game. No one had ever talked to me about South African wines and the wine country. And I remember landing and visiting these wineries and being like, why doesn't anybody talk about this? (laughs) Like, this is amazing. It's beautiful. It's it's dreamy. And the wine is world-class award-winning wine. We're not talking about like, oh, there's one little winery. No, I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful. I encourage you and your partner to go. It is amazing. Where in South Africa is it? So the wine regions that I've spent time in South Africa is in Cape Town. And okay. so they're still in Bosch and a bunch of different regions there. It's remarkable. And are Black people making the wine? So here's the other education point. You have tons of wineries, you have lots of winemakers, and I happen to be introduced to the very first and the only Black woman winemaker, Carmen Stevens. She's brilliant. She, she I, I had a call with her, and I was, like, emotional. I got off the call, and I was, like, sobbing, crying. I was like, oh, my God, this is my <laughs> destiny. <laughs> this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to do Thank you, God. You know, I'm so happy. But... um that's we we need to do another episode to get into what's happening in the wine region, who's owning what, who's not. You can probably read between the lines. Of course. There's a lot of work that needs to be done there. And that's part of what I'm committed to with iBest Wines, is making sure that this wine region, that the wine makers, that the liquid, because because the, the wine is incredible, finally get. The voice that they should have in an industry that really, when you think about wine, you think about Italy, you think about France, and you think about Napa. And there's some other places, you know, wine folks would say Australia, New Zealand, and Chile. There's lots of places. But I'll tell you, you ain't talking about South African wine enough. No, no. And you don't see it. You don't see it on menus. You don't see it in stores. There's whole sections for everywhere else in the world. And you'll ask, hey, do you have any South African wine? And there's one or two bottles. And I have my theories as to why that is. And you probably have your theories as to why that is. But what I'll tell you, (laughs) South African wine is incredible. And so for me, I'm starting there. I want to tell the story of South African wine. I'm not a winemaker. That's the other thing that I'm doing is telling the story. Of being a wine negotiant. Wine negotiants are very important. Negotiant. Wine negotiants are very important to the wine industry. They've been around since the beginning of time, and they are people who work with the winemakers and the growers and the wineries to oftentimes come up with their own blends in tandem with those folks label bottles, and sell the product. And so that is what I am. And I think it's important for people to understand. I am not a winemaker yet. My goal is to eventually be a winemaker, start to finish. But I would be remiss if I was misleading folks and believing that, that I'm an actual winemaker. I am a wine negotiant. And it's it's something that I'm really excited about educating people around because a lot of people don't know that. So a negotiant essentially is like you, your
1: company serves as like its own ambassador to helping build out the stories of these other wine companies to audiences that they may not necessarily get to?
0: So that would be wonderful. No. Really, wine negotiants are people, they're business people, who seek out what they need from these wineries and these winemakers for whatever their business objective is, and then they label it and sell it. Like, it really isn't necessarily about...
1: Oh, I see. It's like wholesale.
0: Correct. Okay. So
1: you're like... I like your wine. I'll put it in my bottle. Correct. So then how does that work? Like, is there any difference between like the wine that would be in your bottle with your label and that same wine in someone else's bottle? Like, do they make any unique changes to the
0: formula, I guess? Well, so in, in in many cases, yes, there is a book. So I may like said Sauvignon Blanc and I say, but you know what? I want it to be a bit more crisp or I want it to be right. And I want to tweak the blend a bit. So in my case, my, my wine will be a blend that I have worked on with said winemaker, but I can't speak for everyone Um, because even in, even in the spirits business, you know, you may have a brand in another country that isn't sold in the U S and then a U.S. importer and supplier says, I need that liquid. I need that juice for my brand here. And they sometimes will use that liquid in that juice. So, again, I can't speak for what everyone is doing. I can just tell you that for me, it will be my own proprietary blend. But it's just hugely important for me to be honest with the fact that I am not a winemaker because there is a big difference. And I really respect the work that winemakers do, the schooling and the education and everything they have to do to be winemakers. And so that's how I'm choosing to move, which is just to be honest about who I really am. I'm a damn good marketer <laughs> that loves wine. Right. And I'm launching wine. It's going to be one of the biggest wines in the world. And and that's what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> do it,
1: when you're doing wines, do you stick to like, okay, we do reds or we do white wines or we do blushes? I'm talking out my ass right now. But <laughs> she said blushes blushes i'm like prosecco i don't know like is there like a specific like space that folks like box out in or is it just across the board
0: Great question. Uh, typically, people have their plan, right? It all goes back to your marketing plan, uh, typically. And uh, yeah, folks will say I'm I'm launching a rosé, or sometimes people will say I'm launching a red and a white, or some people will say I have three different things that I'm. In my case, which is a bit unique. I'm starting with South Africa. I'm committed to South Africa for a number of reasons, which I shared, but do I want to launch a wine from Napa? Yes. I'm from the Bay area. Why wouldn't I? Right. I have a whole story to tell about Napa. Do I want to launch a wine from France? Yes. I spent lots of years in France working in the Cognac region because I worked the Cognac for so many years. So there's no rules. And I think what I'm looking to do is be a bit disruptive to the wine industry and saying like, there's no rules. I can start with South Africa. I can bounce to Napa. I can then go to France. And this is all a part of my story. Most wines are about the story of where they're coming from. So wine... Mm, okay. You're releasing a red, you're releasing a white, you're releasing a rosé, and it's from Napa. You know, when you're a creative marketer, you know, the rules go out. For me, I don't, there's no rule. I want to do what I want to do. Well, what do you want to do? What I'm going to do is launch iBest Best Wines soon. I'm working very hard, but this is all me. I'm doing it all myself. How and does I'm, that feel? It feels incredible. It feels powerful. It feels courageous. It feels lonely sometimes, only because when it's your dream, you're up at night dreaming about it. It's my dream, right? You know about that. And so sometimes it does feel lonely. It feels like I'm learning a lot about people fast, fast. Like I just got into this space of, you know, entrepreneurship again after 20 years. And I'm learning quickly that people are interesting. And some people, which is code for people ain't shit, <laughs> you know, they want to see you in sometimes they don't want to see you in and I'm learning that, but it's exciting. I'm excited. I haven't been in this creative zone in a long time. I really, everyone's like you're in your bag when I was working on Ciroc and De Leon, and I was, but I realized I was in my bag because I was preparing to really be in my bag. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it was preparing me to really be in the seat that I'm in now. So, and uh, it feels, it feels, I feel free. That's a major word because, you know,
1: it's such a uncertain space that sometimes it's like the freeness can be unsettling. Right. And so for some people, especially folks that have been in a corporate space where they knew that check was coming every month, you know, they knew it's like the nev- the devil, you know, you know, I think like for some folks, like when they get out of that space, they are surprised at just how willy nilly entrepreneurship is. You right. have to hold yourself accountable. There ain't nobody else to like hold you up to standard if you don't do the work it doesn't get done and that's that like and i think i mean i definitely i've had people who like really said i'm gonna fuck this i'm caution to the wind i'm about to set out here and do my own shit and then we're like oh when i had to do my own shit it was really just just me and like i've had folks like how you were like you know I realized that my end game isn't to be an employee for some people. They're like, that works great for me. Right. You know, because I want the structure. I want the steadfast. I remember, um, Bill Burr, comedian, Bill Burr. He was on Seinfeld's, uh, comedians in cars, getting coffee. And Seinfeld has a boat. So he was on this boat and he was like, you should get a boat. And Bill Burr was like, I want a boat. Why would I want a boat? He's like, because get your, you can afford it, get a boat. He was like, nah, if I get a boat, then I got to take care of the boat. I got to dock the boat. I got to insure the boat. Why would I want to do all of that when I can just come on your boat? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, I guess. I guess that's true. That's true. Now, I'm somebody, though, who would be like, I'm a light being on your boat. Until I have enough knowledge for me to be like, I want my own
0: fucking boat. <laughs> I just want my own boat, right there. I that's it. I want my own boat, and I'm going to get my own boat, and I'm figure out how to get this damn boat. <laughs> so, my last question is: in this whole journey, how did you fit parenting in? Mm. You know, as as we were just talking, and I was as as I was listening to you actually. And you ask me, how does it feel? There are moments where I go right back to that feeling I had when I was 18, 19, 20 with my son. And that figuring that, that I got to figure this out. Right. You know, mommy, okay, I got to figure this out. Mommy, uh, okay, I got to figure this out. And most recently, I've been having this, these, these just memories of like what it felt like to be a teenage mom, with no college degree, with parents who had very little education. Uh, I, I don't even call it humble beginnings. We had we was poor, you know. Where are you from? From the Bay Area. So my parents are, yeah, my parents are New Yorkers. My mother's from the Bronx. My dad's from Harlem. Uh, My mother's Puerto Rican. My dad's family's from Barbados. So Caribbean family, basically. Right. And, uh, you know, we we had to figure it out. I had to figure it out. And I've been pulling a lot from that place. And specifically as it relates to my son, you know, my son grew up with me. I mean, I had him when I was 18. He did my, took tw- my, tw- my end of my, my teens. He did my twenties with me. He did my thirties with me. He's now doing my forties he's <laughs> going up with me, you know, right. he, he's 27 years old and I just had to fit it in. The real answer is I fit it in and it usually fit in in the way of like figuring it out. I, you know, that like it fit in because I was figuring it out. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I got to turn this off and be mommy now, you know? And yeah. it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And I'm really enjoying this period of parenting because he's an adult. So we can talk about all of that and talk about now. And the best feeling what is when he says, mom, you the shit, you about to launch your brand, and, you know? And I'm like, yeah, baby inside. I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm doing, but you know, but that feeling of like I have this person who knows me, like no one else knows me. And if he tells me I'm about to launch this brand, and he tells me I'm gonna be okay, and he tells, to- then I, I I got this, right? So the real answer is I just fit it in. I figured it out. I figured it out as as I went.
1: The script. Well, we have a segment on here called The Script where we give folks, you know, the opportunity to look at like supplementary materials that may help them further understand the conversation. So I did mention Uncorked. It's a great movie on Netflix uh, about a brother trying to become a sommelier. So we also did a whole episode, Side Effects of Uncorked. So you can check that out. But are there any books, any movies, any accounts on these social medias, et cetera, where folks can learn more about just wine and South African wine and just the business uh, or, or the business of marketing or how they can be more involved
0: in bringing black voices into the space? You know, I'm going to shout out someone who has hugely been helpful to me and my pursuit to figure this thing out. She is boots on the ground in South Africa. She's originally from L.A. and set up shop and, you know, in my opinion, made, uh, what do they say, uh, lem- uh, lem- lemons out of lemonade or lemonade mm-hmm. out of lemon- whatever. Uh, she wound up finding herself in South Africa during the pandemic. Couldn't make it back because everything was shut down and launched her own business. And she has been one of the driving forces behind me connecting with South African wineries. She does tours in South Africa. She's a level two or three wine educator, and she is a sister. Her name is Twani, and I need to get her Instagram account. But if you follow Twani, she's all about wine. She's absolutely amazing, and she's been a driving force in me really understanding the South African landscape. So she would be someone that I would definitely... Say that I would look to and I need to get her Instagram account. Okay. Wine with Twani. That's what it is. Wine underscore with Twani. T U A N N I. Yeah. She's amazing. She's amazing. She follows me. I'm going to follow her back. Wine with Tawani. Okay. (laughs) So Twani would be someone because. Again, I think sometimes when you're just looking for real information, it's not necessarily sitting with some curated account. It's just people, Mm. right? There's just just real people that are out there doing real work. So she's someone that I would want to shout out. All right, Tawani. Are there any books, any
1: podcasts, any like information sources outside, or are
0: there any just like wines that you would suggest people check out? So Carmen Stevens is someone else that I would want to shout out. She is one of uh, the winemakers in South Africa that I've had an opportunity to talk to. She's amazing. She's the first Black female winemaker in South Africa. She makes tremendous wine. And I will be really honest with you, if I could model Uh, iBest Wines, the taste profile, I would say it would be from Carmen's Wines. and, And hers is simple. It's Carmen Stevens Wines, just how it sounds. She's an amazing winemaker, beautiful wine, beautiful story, and just filled with tons of integrity. And my conversation with her really cemented my desire to really, really move forward with launching a wine from South Africa.
1: What makes a good wine? Because you say beautiful wine, and I'm like, what's an ugly wine like? <laughs> <laughs> like? Is it them Trader Joe's? Like I will see people with this with the cheap Trader Joe's wine. Is that ugly wine like what? No, is-
0: no, because you know what? Let me tell you the beautiful thing about wine and what's happened to the wine industry is that you can get incredible wines at all price points now. And that's great, right? It's made it, it's it's made it affordable for everyone. We all should be able to enjoy and, and uh, I think discover, right? Play a bit of discovery when we're thinking about wine and we should, I mean, in order to discover, you got to have different price points. It can't just be one thing. So, I mean, for me, it would be shout out to Trader Joe's for making sure that there is the opportunity for people to purchase wines at all price points. I listen like to consider myself a little bit of a wine expert. Okay. So you a know connoisseur. I'm a negotiant. <laughs> so when I say things like beautiful and stuff, that's my language. But you know, I, I don't want to knock wines. I would say I asked you. It's I your know. opinion. I would, say, I would say I would say sweet. I'm not a sweet person. I'm not interested in sweet wines. At all. I do think that there is a beautiful place for dessert wines. You want to drink something after dinner. You know, folks really kind of venture into sweeter wines for dessert wines. But me personally, I'm not into sweet wine at all. I feel like that would be my bag (laughs) because I'm 12. So,
1: (laughs) I'm like, is there a wine that tastes like Twizzlers? Like, is there,
0: like, I feel like that's We weird. can make you a wine. You let, <laughs> we talk offline, because we're going to have some marketing conversation anyway. We, we may launch you a Twizzler tasting wine. Even though, you. even though No, even though, even though we got to think about, we don't want to attract kids. That's we don't
1: want to attract kids, but we want to attract- no one is saying young hearts. We you don't. Want,
0: we're not saying that. No one. No. You know, and no. Start sending DMs and emails to both Amanda and Never I. Never about that. Suggesting that. However, listen. I wouldn't even on
1: the real. Like we had to like make a drink on Fridays, and we had to take a turn like making the drinks. I wouldn't even make a a, a drink. Like I was like, nah, mine needs to be a mocktail because I'm really about like. Yeah, you don't drink. Yeah, and if it has to, and it has to be contextualized in the right way, like it's not like it's even like, like smart funny in black. Like, if we're gonna have liquor sponsors, like it has to be contextualized in the right way, right? Like, and I feel like there's just sometimes when it gets really willy nilly. I remember when I was doing bring the funny, and they wanted us to do a, an ad where we were like all passing a drink around, and I was like, I mean, that just feels unsanitary. Um, <laughs> Right. I got the drink now. Chrissy got the drink now. Jeff got the drink now. Keenan got the drink. I mean, what? I don't know. And right. then Keenan backed me. I mean, now uh, Jeff backed me up, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't like that idea either." And they ended up moving it to passing a mic around. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. The last dose. I really love that you have a story about this, and it's not just about slangin. It's about opening up conversations and giving voices to spaces that, again, have black creativity but are not being given the platform or given the space. And you know, you said when you came on here, like, I come in and I, I I break shit open. You know, like this is how we do it. So
0: you all you all need to look out for iBest Wines thank you Amanda I love you thank you thank you thank you this was fun this was a lot of fun and uh we share a lot of things in common in that you know we we speak our truth yeah our truth whatever your truth is you know we speak it and uh I love that about you thanks Ingrid
1: Ingrid yeah. to Ingrid you know people don't know my middle name is Ingrid so when we met <laughs> In person, it was like, I'm Ingrid, too! Are you, <laughs> Arnaud. <Arnold? laughs> there we go. There we go. We did it. Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.